Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast on the importance of voting and understanding the 19th Amendment. My name is Amanda Gallagher, and I am a current graduate student at American University studying public history. For my oral history course this semester, I have been doing interviews with African-American women over the age of 65 to talk about the celebration of the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and the importance of voting. This project developed because of the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and the serious conversation about voting in the United States. 2020 has been a very contentious year. The COVID-19 pandemic has turned the world upside down and forced everyone to change their lives. There was a historic election and there is continued racial injustice and police brutality. But in 2020, the conversation took center stage and sparked a continuous movement for justice and equality. In the midst of this, the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote, turned 100. In response to the anniversary, I saw an interesting trend on my social media. There was a mix of gratitude for the amendment, but also a call for more conversation about who was left out of the amendment and how it's connected to continued, race, continued issues of racial inequality today. Before we get into my interviews, I want to tell you a little bit about my narrators. First, I would like to thank each of them for their time and their thoughts. I'm so appreciative of what they did for my project and for giving me their time. My first narrator is Lillian Braxton. She lives in Nevada and we were connected through Facebook. She grew up in New York and had a very interesting career with the New York Police Department. She has two children and three grandchildren, whom she mentions throughout her interview and are very impactful to her understanding of voting. Let's take a moment and listen to Lillian introduce herself. I grew up in the Bronx, New York, and I lived with my parents and six siblings. My second narrator is Tony Michelle Travis. She lives in Washington, D.C. and grew up there as well. She is currently a professor and has been involved in politics for most of her life in several different capacities. She is a professor of political science and grew up in D.C. before D.C. was able to vote. Let's take a moment to listen to her introduce herself. I grew up in Washington, D.C. with my parents. I'm an only child, and that was in the era when Washington, D.C. did not have a vote for anyone. No local officials, no uh, congressional or presidential. My final narrator is Emily Stills. She is a radiologist who grew up in Baltimore and still lives there. The first time she voted was for Bill Clinton, but has since then developed a new passion for the importance of voting and has words of wisdom for all of us. Let's listen to Emily introduce herself. Bring up. Okay, my name is uh, Emily Stills. I grew up in Lutherville, Maryland, in Baltimore County. And I grew up with my parents. I lived at home with my great aunt, great uncle, and I had uh, four brothers. In this podcast, I'm going to address how my project shifted and really emphasize the importance of youth engagement with voting. But before we get into that, I just wanted to touch on what the intended focus of this project was, the 19th Amendment. So let's take a moment to listen to my narrators talk about the 19th Amendment and their emotions towards it. It's one of the best things that could have happened to women and to, I think, minorities the best thing that could have happened. 
that we were able to, our words, our thoughts could be heard. And that's, that's great because I think women, uh, uh, I have so many women that were in politics and, and Trisha, you have to bring it to me. What was the person that she was the prime minister in England? Uh, Thatcher. She was what uh, she was a great inspiration for me because you know my minor is women's studies and with her and it's it's so many other pe- women that were leaders that I've met and you know I've forgotten you know what we did and how we did it but with Thatcher and and some of the other women that have made it and you meet and you go to meetings and they're speaking to you and they're telling you our experiences. I am not focusing on the bad. I'm focusing on the good that's happening. What people can do like myself and my, my daughters with Trisha going out, taking her daughters, sharing it with her daughter's friends to, to hear the politicians for these, um, the way people are now demonstrating. She's taking them to demonstrate so they can see what it's like. Uh, and what they, they can see a little more, I think, than I can. Because I was, I, my, my time was doing a fighting stage, but not like it is now. So that clip was Lillian Braxton talking about her appreciation for the 19th Amendment. The next clip I'm going to play is Tony Michelle Travis challenging some of the notions that people hold about the 19th Amendment and expressing that she values it as a first step. Okay, it gave white women and blacks who lived in the North, because they did vote in Chicago and Boston and Philadelphia. Um, I mean, it, there would have been no effort made by those in power at that point to have given any protections or or guidelines for those in the South. The South ran its own system regionally. Um, and, and, and politicians traded off, we'll do so much, but we'll leave you alone in the South. And, and Franklin D. Roosevelt did that too with many pieces of legislation. So, uh, it was not unexpected at the time that the whole issue of anyone who wasn't a white woman would be considered or needed special consideration to uh, be able to vote. No. In this clip, Tony Michelle Travis is really talking about how the 19th Amendment was a first step. And it wasn't a perfect amendment. It wasn't all-encompassing, but it was an important, an important development. My next clip is Emily Stills expressing her complicated relationship to the Nineteenth Amendment and the exclusionary nature of it. Okay, as far as the amendment is concerned, what I learned was, for me as a black woman, it wasn't really an amendment that was passed for me. It was really passed for the benefit of uh, white women. And the other thing is that um, basically that was done even with a lot of discrimination as well. 
because black women were wanted the right to vote, white women wanted the right to vote. But somewhere I read where a lot of times they did not want to embrace the black women because it would hinder or stop the southern white women from wanting to be involved. So although the act was passed, black women were still disenfranchised. They still had to take tests to be able to vote. They still had a head test. They still had a poll test. They still faced a lot of violence and a lot of uh, hatred if they tried to vote. I do understand that people, women in certain states, they did a pretty good job of voting. But generally speaking, those women were not really, you know, afforded the opportunity to vote. There was a lot of women that marched for voting, but they just really never had the ability to do it. Another thing I read that I thought was interesting after the act was uh, voted upon, the 19th Amendment, they spoke something about that they that someone wanted them to put a monument in Washington, D.C., honoring uh, the Black men. And there was a march against that for it not to be done because they said that would be perpetuating a myth that the black women that were manly were satisfied with their station. But the other thing is that uh, even though women got the right to vote prior to that, a lot of people thought women were not capable or smart enough to vote. So if they thought that about white women, I wonder what they thought about, you know, black and then black women, if you think about it, where their states were from the 1920s up until then, they were domestics, they were working for other people, raising their families. You know, they really didn't have time to vote. Understanding is that uh, even when the black women didn't get the right to vote and were kind of discriminated against, there was a lady that said, well, although we're not voting, try to speak to your husband about making some legislation. They weren't, black women weren't really worried about voting. Back then, some women were. We had a hard enough time feeding our families, housing our families, and things like that. So someone said, instead of us worrying about voting, try to get your husbands to make some laws that would allow us to have better housing, be able to get better jobs. And for, they said that the right to vote elevated women's stature. They could get better jobs and win competition with men and things like that. But see, that didn't occur. That didn't occur for black men. As the interviewer, I was not supposed to go into my interviews with an expectation. But I did. And I was kind of expecting my narrators to express really complicated emotions towards the 19th Amendment in the way that I had seen it expressed on social media. But I found that they didn't really share those emotions. Emily did to an extent, but my other narrators did not. And 
I really learned a lot about how they feel towards the 19th Amendment and their appreciation for it. But once I started doing this project, I found very quickly that my narrators had a lot to say about the importance of voting in general and encouraging the youth to vote. This was not initially a topic of my project. I had, I think, one question in my initial interview guide focused on youth voting, but in the midst of my interview with Lillian Braxton, she had so much focus on her grandchildren that I wanted to know more about them and how she talks to them, about voting and their civic engagement. And let's take a listen to this clip of uh, Lillian Braxton telling a story about her grandson. And I have a, a grandson that's eight, but I want to tell you, can I tell you a little story about my grandson? He has a friend. Her name is Lucy. I think Lucy is Italian. Well, anyway, you know, they... They live their next door neighbors. So they were angry with each other one day. And uh, they were supposed to put their mask on. Joey put his mask on. Lucy said, I don't have to put my mask on because I'm voting for Trump. <laughs> yeah, but it's just she said, I don't have to wear a mask. So when Trump got the virus, my little eight-year-old grandson, he told he said to her, Oh. Now, are you going to wear a mask now? And that's what he said to her. And he said, that's why I'm a Bidener. <laughs> a Bidener. He's a Bidener. And I thought that was so cute for the two of them, at eight years old, talking about politics. And when he said, I'm going to see what she says now, that Trump has the virus. Not only is that clip adorable and hilarious, I love the term Bidener. But it really shows how Lillian Braxton speaks to her grandchildren about voting, and she emphasizes the importance of about talking about politics and how politicians affect the way we understand things and our children understand what the politicians are doing. And throughout the interview, she continuously talks about her grandchildren. And while I wasn't initially focused on youth voting, it really inspired me to hear how she thought about her grandchildren and their connection to and their passion for voting. So let's take a listen to a clip of her talking about youth voting. Going off of that, do you have any suggestions for how to talk to the younger generation? Because your family, it's clear that voting has been something very important and something you always discuss. But any suggestions for how to talk to the younger generation who don't feel that voting is important and don't feel that their vote matters? I think politics should be, uh, I think political science or whatever. I think it should start, um, at young, start with younger people. So I think elementary school is how to get to teach people because what they're doing, they'll have homework and then their parents or whatever have to help them with the homework and questions are asked. So I think it, it should be it should be taught in schools at, with younger younger people. I think that's a way of getting it out. It should be taught in organizations, especially churches, especially with the younger people. I think it should get out because it wasn't like that before. Only adults thought about that, but now these same people that, that were children are adults now. So. I think it just starts in the younger age. What do you think people my age could do to make a difference and support greater access to voting rights and help put an emphasis on the importance of voting? 
doing just what you're doing now, interviewing. Steal that information from us, get it out of our heads, because it's probably deep set. I know mine is. And when you can get it out. But I think the reason um, that is for me is I'm satisfied. I am satisfied with the way that I led women, strong women, so that they are very helpful now. Like the police women, who else? With children. I know being a woman, I never forget. It was a little Irish boy. He used to, every time he turned around, he was stealing something out the stores. And I said to him, you know what? You're not a good thief because you're always getting caught. Don't do that. I said, find something else that you're good at. Because you, you keep getting caught and you're doing the same thing. And this is what you have to let people know. If, if, if you have a candidate and that candidate keeps doing the same thing over and over, why do you think he's going to change or she's going to change? They're not more than likely. So I think we just have to get out there and make sure. I think now with, you, with, with, with what you're doing now, interviewing people, join groups, sometimes visit and a, a group, a senior group, people that get together as seniors, and see what they feel. You have women and men, and there's so many places you can do it. You know, get their thoughts, and then you can, you will know more than me how to really do uh, get the younger people involved and interested. That's what you're doing now. You're seeing how that can be done, and I commend you for it. Lillian really emphasized the importance of teaching young children about voting in schools, which is something I find really interesting because teaching civic engagement usually falls to parents and families. But if we want, like Lillian says, if we want children to understand the importance of voting, it should start in schools. It should start very young. She was my first narrator, and her thoughts about this and her connection to her grandchildren is what inspired me to ask my other narrators about this and really continue this conversation. So let's take a listen to a clip from Tony Michelle Travis talking about her experience as a professor and speaking to college students about voting. What do you think that people my age can do to make a difference to support greater access to voting rights, to a deeper understanding of the conversation we're currently having. Hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, they should be joining the their respective political parties on campus and learning what the issues are in any given election so that they are aware of, of what's happening. And, and to a great extent, what's going to be happening to them? I mean, if we made English the official language of this country, that would affect a whole lot of people who are first-generation Americans who are in our state universities nowadays. Um, the the uh, DACA, the Dreamers Act, they know we, there were evidently... Uh, 
seminars on campus for these students so they could be apprised of what they could and couldn't do. Um, students need to learn their rights. Uh, I had a police officer come to campus one time, state and local talking about, and all the students wanted to know was how to avoid uh, drunk driving citations. But there's a lot more to it. You know, you have a right not to be harassed by the police because you go to a certain school. You know, and, and harassment does occur in college areas. But somehow the Constitution is abstract and people don't think it applies to them until they're working full time or something. Do you really see the need for a deeper understanding within the younger generation of their rights, their why voting matters? And... I, I think so, yes. Understanding what the Constitution is about, that what's in the Constitution affects every citizen, no matter what state they're in, and then Yes, all these other little matters of driver's licenses, marriage licenses differ by state. That's the federal part. But above that, you've got certain rights. And they're to be cherished because people in every country don't have those rights. Tony Michelle Travis's comments are a really interesting juxtaposition to Lillian Braxton's because they're talking about two different age groups, elementary age students and college age students, but they converge on this importance of people understanding and understanding their rights and knowing that the Constitution is not an abstract document and what politicians do affects them. So Tony Michelle Travis really continued the conversation I was having with Lillian Braxton and demonstrated her firsthand understanding of why people feel disconnected and how we can encourage them to connect to their rights and civic duties. My final narrator, Emily Stills, had a different perspective because she didn't vote until Bill Clinton was running for president, which really helped her understand the importance of voting once she did vote. And she feels it needs to be expressed to the youth as early as possible and she really understands why people don't vote because she didn't vote for a couple of elections and because she didn't think that any of the candidates cared about her or they would do anything to affect her life. So let's listen to this clip of Emily talking about youth voting. What do you think that people my age can do to make a difference and support greater access to voting rights? Well, you young people do a lot on social media and everything. Perhaps you should have social media or maybe you can start a group dealing with voting, you know what I mean? Rock the vote or something and, you know, do that. But I mean, what needs to be done is something that needs to be spoken about, not just two or three months before an election. Voting is important no matter how you look at it. And, you know, not just for the president, you make a difference when you vote for anybody. So social media is such a big thing for young people. 
social media, maybe have a virtual conference. Nowadays, we don't know when we're going to get face-to-face, but a lot can be done on Zoom. It might be good to do a Zoom conference for the folk and everything, you know. Emily gives really practical advice about how to connect to people and start a dialogue about voting. And she is a really uniquely situated position because she can em- she can empathize with people and relate to why they might not vote. So while it was not the intention of my project to talk so much about how to encourage the younger generation to vote, my narrators gave wonderful advice and had really insightful comments because they all have different positions in their lives and they have different understandings of why it matters. It's interesting because they all situated their answers in the scholarship as well. The New York Times published an article about how to increase youth voter turnout in the United States, and their long-term advice was to redo civics education, which is exactly what Lillian Braxton suggested. Tony Michelle Travis works in civic education and teaches college students, and Emily Stills focused on that as well. So they all have really excellent ideas and thoughts about what we can be doing, and I hope we take their I hope you take their ideas with you and start to encourage people to vote. And that's really the beauty of an oral history is that it can change in the moment and there's value to be found in every conversation. What I take away from these is that it's our job to vote and it's our job to encourage people to vote. And I hope that's what you bring with you. Thank you for your time and listening to my podcast on the importance of voting and the 19th Amendment.